in general, I'd say the biggest challenge or biggest opportunity to do better mm. is not just to focus on what we're sharing or the, you know, the production of the gathering as I call it, but really how we're sharing it. Hi, welcome to Change Out Loud, the podcast where change management intersects with everyday life. I'm Adnan Ali. I'm Kara Sundar. Today, we have Lindsay Kaplan. She's an organizational psychologist and communication strategist. She began her career as a comedy writer in Hollywood and uses the lessons learned there to help organizations script their change efforts to boost morale, engagement, and retention for the long term. She's based in the Bay Area. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, Adnan. Hey, Kara. So you have this really interesting word called gatherings. And I want to know what you are talking about when you were talking about a gathering. Sure. So I think for some of us, when we think about gathering, we think about, you know, a dinner party or even a meeting um, or, you know, a wedding, who knows. And in the corporate context, I actually look at sort of a more specific lens. I look at anytime we're trying to match a message with a moment to create an effect. So in our companies, it looks like, you know, all hands or conferences or offsites, training classes, new hire orientations. There's some piece of content that I want to share with somebody else to produce some sort of effect. And we'll talk about what those effects are, but it's a bit more of um, a communication bent, I would say. Yeah. I love that. It feels very dynamic. Like you, you aren't just getting together to check a box and say, okay, we went put you through orientation, but you're really trying to drive something and, and be thoughtful about that ideally. So what do you find is the biggest misnomer among people who might be coordinating a gathering? I'm imagining there are probably some great gatherings out there, but a lot of examples where they've gone wrong. Tell us more about that. Sure. And maybe we'll define sort of what got wrong means because it, it can be subjective depending on what you're trying to mm. achieve as well. But in general, I'd say the the biggest challenge or biggest opportunity to do better mm. is not just to focus on what we're sharing or the, you know, the production of the gathering as I call it, but really how we're sharing it or the consumption of the gathering from the participant side. Meaning, you know, we can look at the slide deck and the logistics and, you know, the the room, sure. But what we really should be focusing on as well is what will help someone be motivated or interested to do something with information or remember it and retain it. And this is the connection to change and change management that, you know, I think is underpinning what gatherings can be and Mm. the secret to making them better. So I had a really quick thought. Um, So one of the things I've observed recently is the idea of a second gathering. So this really comes out of the fact that I have seen gatherings that have gone wrong where you can clearly tell there wasn't a clear objective. The speakers weren't fully clear on why they were there and the role that emotion played in really getting everyone rallied behind a key message. So what I've actually seen is a second gathering that's scheduled after the fact. And you can very clearly see that they listen to the feedback the second time. So all of the tips, Lindsay, that you recommended, they had taken the second time and not the first. And I've seen this many times where clearly the first time, you know, the gathering launched, something didn't land or the outcome that 
people were hoping to get just didn't land. And you see these second or even sometimes, hopefully not, but you do see it, these third gatherings that have to take place to kind of clean up and, and get people back in line. So, so I really love the ideas and the tips that you've shared because hopefully if we take those on, we can really avoid those need for the second and the third gatherings. I love that. And I think it's a bit of an aha for people to think that, oh, the way in which I'm bringing people together affects the change. It's not like what I'm sharing that matters. It's everything around it. And sometimes it takes that awareness gap, just like change 101 Mm -hmm. for people to realize, ah, I get it now. So I love that Mm -hmm. people are trying again because we're all students of this. Let's, you know, let's keep iterating. So you have experience in a number of disciplines that inform your approach to gathering. Tell us more about your background and how you came to be interested in this idea of gathering. Sure. Yeah. So my my background spans, you know, three disciplines, but all three of those disciplines gather. So one is entertainment, started my career as a comedy writer in Hollywood, looking at how we bring people together to help them laugh or be entertained. And then I found my way into corporate learning and development, looking at how we bring people together to not just educate and inform, but hopefully engage people as well. And then um, got my master's in organizational psychology, looking at how we gather to transform. So how we move not just individuals, but whole companies from A to B. And that got me interested in sort of this, this tool that sort of like a hammer you can use for different effects. And we all have this tool, but as you alluded to, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work <laughs> as well. <laughs> so that's that's really my interest in, and led me down this path of trying to figure out what can we do better. You know, I'm thinking of all of the meetings that I have sat through in my couple of decades in the workforce, and I can probably name on one hand the number that I actually remember why I was there. There's a nugget I walked away with and and can tie it back to what the meeting was trying to achieve. There's a lot of mediocrity with meetings out there, and I'm so excited to learn from you today about how do we get better at this to make sure we're really driving the impact that we want? Yeah, chances are, I mean, I talk to a lot of folks and they say something very similar, which is <laughs> this is such a such a part of corporate life and it's, you know, it could be improved for sure. Not just for people who are um, receiving it, but the people conceiving gatherings because they're very high stakes and they, you know, cost a lot of money and energy and time and trust. And, you know, I think it's a skill that we can get better at, but chances are, if you say, yeah, I don't remember too many of them. I would imagine the ones that you do remember, even then you may not remember the content, but you'll remember how you felt. You'll remember the mm, emotion of it. What a great and so that's, point. that's one lesson that maybe we can dig into a little bit later about how important emotional involvement is to great gatherings and, and change as we know, but maybe let me take a step back and just sort of give people the the, the framework that underpins gatherings, because I think having this common language can help us sort of diagnose for ourselves what could be better. So all the gatherings that we've been a part of tend to fall on two spectrums. And I don't just mean corporate gatherings. You can think about those comedy shows or college classes, gatherings where, you know, different disciplines you've been a part of, but they tend to fall on a two spectrum. So one is push and pull. So pull is, you know, how active were you in the gathering? Did you have a role to play? Were you contributing and co-creating and not just sort of passively consuming content? Chances are most gatherings feel pretty push. 
there's an opportunity mm. there. And then the other spectrum is one size fits all and personalized. So is it made for everyone or anyone or is it made for me? Do I feel visible and necessary to the success of the gathering? Mm. And again, chances are most of them are one size fits all. And so what I help people do is first understand, you know, the, the spectrum but also help people plot where their gathering is currently and help them make choices that move it more in the direction that they want, depending on the effect that they're after. I'm thinking of gatherings such as a compliance requirement that you want everyone to walk away with the same experience, the same knowledge, and they don't really get to define what compliance is in that area. That seems appropriate, but I'm thinking of all the missed opportunities where you really could be speaking to people with a nuance or with the creativity in the room gathering together and really making something special. If I'm thinking truly about the gatherings I've been a part of where I retained something, it is because I was a part of it. There was some something that made me show up as myself and not just as a number. Adnan, would you agree with that? I would. And, and I think the types of gatherings that I remember especially are the ones where there was something asked of me so if I think mm. about um, a corporate gathering so at least where I work it's the time of year where we're talking about our corporate priorities we're planning for the next year ahead so we have those very high level executive gatherings that everyone attends and it's hard to get that right to that you know, personalized level, but there always is a call to action that comes out of it. So it's for all of you, here is kind of the overarching call to action. And there's almost a follow-up of series of gatherings that go beyond that and personalize mm -hmm. at a level that is more relevant to the audience. Um, so I've seen that work really well as well. So even at that very high level, if you just have that one message that everyone can rally around, it's somewhat memorable, not entirely, but that little piece I remember. And I'm thinking about some of our most successful change plans. There might be a big announcement that is kind of one size fits all, but that you very quickly transition into stakeholder specific communication plans and strategies around those different levels or different departments. So this makes a lot of sense. Lindsay, you mention levers in how you can choose different things that are going to help you identify the type of gathering you want. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Sure. So, you know, I think this is, this helps us understand, you know, the world of gathering and gives us a common language, but doesn't maybe tell us what to do differently, right? How do I right. actually make these adjustments? But we want to actually do something about it. So when I'm asked to watch a gathering, I'm looking for three things. I'm looking for these three levers. One is framing. So how we use language to, you know, give people a sense of buy-in. So a practical example from, from entertainment, you know, you, you can go to a, a big stadium show and hear something like, you know, come on, Chicago, get louder. And that's a very push framing, right? Or you can hear something like, you know, hey, Monday, we're so happy to see you all here. We're, we really need you tonight. We're so happy you're here. And that feels very pull. Right. It's like, oh, they need me and they see me and just have a has a different framing to it. Right. So that's one. And then there's space. So when I say space, I think people think, oh, the physical space, like tables and chairs, but some of these gatherings are virtual. Many of these gatherings are virtual. The same levers apply. Space is much more about how I help people absorb and retain information. And this is one of the 
sort of mistakes I see people make is they just pack so much content into their gatherings that, you know, people can't retain it all from a cognitive perspective. And so you can make some small choices with space that help people retain and digest and personalize the content. And then the third is structure. So how do I set expectations? How do I build an agenda? How do I get people from from A to B? What's the arc? You know, and again, a practical example Very, very few gatherings that I've seen actually start by saying, here's what we're going to walk away with or by clarifying takeaways. And from an adult learning perspective, like you talked about, Adnan, the the call to action, just that clear takeaway and what's expected of you, what you should go do is really important to help people know, you know, what's next, what comes next. Or about the emotion that you can use in a meeting. I could see where that might feel forced sometimes, especially if there's not a great trust level with a leader, but how do you build an emotional connection that's authentic in your gathering? So, yeah, I think um, when I say emotional involvement is important, it gets people a little nervous. (laughs) And I, the thing I tend to say is emotion is there whether or not you ordered it, you know, it's driving all of our decisions. It's dri- it's driving people to do something differently. And so if you don't engage them emotionally, you're just going to be stuck on compliance. And why mm. do you not want compliance? Well, because you're going to have to remind people a million times of what to do. And while that is sometimes a good effect, it's probably not the one you want all the time. So the difference between an, an entertaining gathering and an engaging gathering is that personalization, is that emotional involvement. And the way that you can do that, I mean, there's a, there's a few different ways. It has to start with the person who's sharing the material. It has to start with the gatherer. And so, mm. you know, there's a, a tactic I learned a long time ago in grad school called autobiographical disclosure which I learned from a professor named Stephen Brookfield, which basically just means that when I'm introducing a concept, I'm going to go first and explain why it's important to me, where I learned it, something vulnerable that just sort of hints at this is new to me too. And it just relaxes people a little bit. You know, I think another place for someone to add in emotional involvement or vulnerability is to ask for help. So, you know, when you're introducing a new change effort or feedback model or whatever it might be to say to employees, hey, we really need your help to make this successful and we're counting on you. It doesn't have to be this big like crying fest, right? But it has to signal some sort of separation between the rational and the emotional, um, because facts don't mean anything without some, I think, some feeling behind it. Yeah. And there's plenty of emotion you don't want to introduce. I'm angry with you guys, or I'm so jealous of our competitor. They're <laughs> doing a lot better than us. You could really <laughs> go wrong with uh, with not being careful about emotion. So use carefully. And it, it's interesting, too. I mean, I think oftentimes people say, well, we don't want people to get angry or we don't want negative emotions. We're trying to tamper those down. And, you know, you you all know that apathy is actually what you don't want. It's okay mm. to have some negative emotion because it, it shows people that you're engaged, right? It shows mm. people that they care. And so we're not trying to to close people off from it completely. We're just trying to make it valuable and, um, and helpful to the change effort. I think it's okay to feel things, right? I, I think sometimes <laughs> in these types of gatherings that we plan for, there's an expectation that it be very rigid 
it follow a structure, you know, you have to be completely on script. And anytime I'm working with a senior level or executive group, I really do encourage them to be connected to what we're doing. So, so this really goes to building that buy-in from your sponsorship even, because if we're asking our executives to show up and form an emotional connection to what they're sharing, and, and to your point, Lindsay, we don't want that kind of compliance culture necessarily in all instances, and how do we avoid that? They need to feel a connection and need to be bought in, so we have to invest that time up front. We can't be prepping them with all the notes, you know, a few days before. We really have to be sure they're included throughout the entire process. They've had an opportunity to get their feelings out, and and those are incorporated. And then I think they can really take that ownership and and champion it, you know, the way we want them to. So, Lindsay, I would love to hear some real-life examples of how you have used your method to take a, a gathering that went from bad to good or even good to great. What are some of the ways somebody might experience a meeting that's changing? What what are they doing differently beforehand to make sure that gathering is really as impactful as it can be? Sure. So I think I'll walk through, you know, maybe a, a new hire orientation and maybe sort of a larger change initi- initiative as well, sort of two examples. One's just a peer gathering and one's sort of a larger change effort. But I think um, it starts with the communication before the gathering. Mm. So we'll talk about this new hire orientation. I think The problem I tend to see with those is efficiency over effectiveness, meaning Mm. we're just going to stuff them full of content because we've got people for a day or two. So we're just going to give them everything they need to know about the company at once. However, joining a company is basically all it is is an emotional reaction to decide whether or not you made the right choice. So it's driven Mm. by emotions. So if we're pumping them full of content, um, what does that do? They feel overwhelmed. They feel tired. So a few a few things that that I've I've done with companies that are I think are minor fixes but can have a, a big impact. One is you know don't just send people an agenda of the week because it, it lacks context for them. They don't know what that means. They don't have the vernacular. But you can send them the journey of the week. So what's the from what to what? What will be different by the time the new hire orientation is over? It's just a simple sort of structural, we're talking about framing space and structure, it's a structural change that gets people, I think, excited, not just for the content, but the effect it's going to have. Two is add a debrief into the day. And, you know, I think this is a pretty basic suggestion, but oftentimes we pump people full of content, but we don't give them a chance to wrestle with it or put it in their own words or to talk about it with other people. So at the end of the day, just do a debrief and ask a few well-pointed questions that give people a sense of ownership over the material and personalization. And a, a couple more ideas here is, again, you'd be surprised how few gatherings have clear objectives. So start the new orientation. Not by, you know, who you're going to hear from, because people don't remember the names, <laughs> but what the mm. objectives are of that time together. So you're going to mm. learn, you know, our five key business challenges. You're going to learn how departments work together. Whatever those are, that's your litmus test for who gets to talk in your new higher orientation. Not which department do you like the most, but does it match the objectives? And that helps it scale a lot more and helps people know what to say no to. So those are a few things I would suggest just for really any gathering but that I've put into practice in a new higher orientation. I guess I'll just pause there and, and practice what I preach and say, any thoughts on that? 
So, Lindsay, I was just curious about return to work and and how that impacts gatherings, because, of course, during the pandemic, I think many organizations went completely virtual to gatherings. And now we're in a space where we're almost in this mixed environment of some people are virtual, some people are co-located. So what are you seeing in the gathering space as we move to this kind of mixed way of working in organizations? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of things, but maybe I'll just highlight two. One is, you know, I think a uh, desire to just be together. I think there's more of a free pass to have these initial gatherings that are in person back together be kind of a party and not really have maybe more of a purpose than that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. (laughs) Not everything has to be about engagement, right? And so people want to be together. Let's just give them that time. And that's one. On the other end of the spectrum is um, I'm seeing a higher bar. (laughs) So when we do come together and we do sort of want people to be together synchronously, meaning at the same time, not just sort of watching it or reading it on my own. If people are like putting on pants and coming into the office, it better be worth their time. And and gas uh, prices being what they are, (laughs) better be good. Very true. (laughs) Exactly. And so to that end, I really suggest a motto that people can follow, which is pull together, push apart. So if all I'm doing, not all I'm doing, but if what I'm doing is pushing information on people to help them conform or conform, (laughs) comply or be informed, then I can do that separately, asynchronously when people are on their own time. However, if what I want is engagement or maybe entertainment, we talked about that is worth the effort to pull people together. So it really necessitates clarity. Uh, and a discernment as to what you want and to know what's worth the effort. And I think that's just a good place to start to raise the bar for yourself. I love that rule of thumb anyways, for any kind of gathering. I mean, if you have information, you just need to get out there. It's a checklist. It's a compliance issue, email, team's message, you know, watch the recording later, whatever. But yeah, if it's going to be, if you can take the time to come together, ask people to pay for gas, which is like half their paycheck at this point, (laughs) you might as well make it a really engaging meeting with clear objectives and you walk away feeling like, wow, I got something out of this engagement. So you mentioned earlier, you were going to give us an example of a change initiative gathering. Tell us more about what you might be thinking about as you're helping someone plan that. Sure. I I think a common example for companies, you know, even in the return to work time is launching new company values or or company values for the first time. And that is um, a high stakes gathering opportunity. And it really is a change effort. So I believe all Mm -hmm. gatherings are a change effort, but this is one where I think really it's a peer change management opportunity. And, you know, I, I think there's two approaches One is a push approach and one is a pull approach when it comes to announcing new values. And in terms of good to great or or bad to great, if what we want is engagement, then we know the push doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've I've helped companies sort of shift their entire approaches basically by involving other employees in the process. And so, 
you know, this is change management 101, right? But applied to gatherings. So, you know, giving giving other employees a role, leveraging change ambassadors to help it feel like it's coming from people who are just like them, utilizing data and business or business case examples to sort of prove that this is important, more than just the tool of values, often have to talk about what's the effect, what's the so what of that tool, what do values give us, focusing on the, the difference it will make for the business, Taking the time to connect with managers and other layers in the organization to help them wrestle with the values and connect to it and and object to it and just have their voice heard. I think that's a very different approach than what we commonly see, which is leadership stands on a stage and says, these are our new values and please fall in line. And that... um, that's like step one of the process, but you know we all know that's that's really just the first stage of this. The the what of the values I believe matters a lot less than how it's implemented in the company. So in a way, that gathering is a missed opportunity because you could have been laying the seeds all along the way with prior communications, focus groups, manager meetings, and then the big announcement is like the cherry on top instead of the one and done. And then as we discussed before, there's a potential for after that, you know, workshops or celebrating people who are living your new values and driving new business, let's say, with the new values. Whereas if you just push the information and it's just leadership to everybody else, one size fits all, you almost lose the power of that announcement and there really is no change. Am I interpreting that right? Yeah, I think you're saying it more eloquently than than I am. I think it's... um sort of this this knowing doing gap like knowing what they are is mm. one step but so much of what keeps people from doing it is lack of motivation lack of clarity mm. lack of reward lack of urgency it's really the conditions that we're creating around the change that make it stick much more than the content itself and so all of my work and this is just one example of it is about help people connect to the content because that's what's going to produce the change more than just the content itself. And how do you help them connect to it? Well, you create the conditions that fuel that connection. And so just like change management, just like, you know, leadership development 101, my job as a leader, your job as a leader is to create the conditions, the environment for people to do their best work. So gathering, this is just one example of that. Lindsay, it has been so much fun chatting with you today about gatherings. I think the work you do is really impactful and something that the change managers and project professionals who listen here, I mean, they're going to get a nugget and take it away for sure. All right, listeners, if you like what you've heard today and you want to get in touch with Lindsay, go to gatheringeffect.com. That's gathering, E-F-F-E-C-T.com. And also, would you share this episode with a friend? If you see a meeting that could have gone better, or you know someone in your company is getting ready to launch a gathering, you know, share this information because we could all benefit from it, frankly. Uh, Like this episode and give us a review as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you both. 